Welcome everybody to the Troy First Assembly of God podcast. We created this podcast to share our weekly messages from the Word of God, and we're so glad that you're here. Let's look at what the Bible says. I'm in Joshua 1.1. Now it came about after the death of Moses, servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' servant, this is where we were Sunday, and said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, or so, now arise. Cross this Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I am giving them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot steps, I have given it to you, past tense. Just as I spoke to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land currently owned by the Hittites, and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun, that's going to be your territory. Nobody will be able to oppose you. Nobody's going to be able to stand up to you all the days of your life, just like I was with Moses. So I will be with you. I'm not going to desert you. I'm not going to abandon you. Only be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Guys, let me just tell you here, if God tells you three times, four times in one in one little passage to be strong and courageous, you're going to have something facing you. You need to be strong and courageous about. So this is not just repetition here. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may achieve success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will achieve success. Have I not commanded you? Have y'all ever had your mama tell you? Have I told you? Have you been listening? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be dismayed. Dismayed is a word we never use. It means discouraged. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now last Sunday we started at the beginning of this chapter with it's time to move forward. And I want to start tonight with an observation that I personally have never given much thought to. But it's a cautionary tale for every one of us. Look back, uh, go back a couple of slides uh, to what is ostensibly verse 4. Uh, how about the, from the wilderness and this Lebanon is where I want to be. There we go. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun, that's going to be yours. Now, this is a description of the promised land that was first given to Abraham. Way back in Genesis, reiterated to Isaac, to Jacob, it shows up in Exodus, it shows up in Numbers, it shows up again in Deuteronomy, and now here we are in Joshua. Now, I just want to know, are there any real geography people here? See, me too, I'm not. But you know, we had two people with the most half-hearted hand raises I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> My wife is a geography person. She can tell you. I mean, if you were to ask Rebecca what is exactly northeast of Iowa, she would just she could just tell you. I would have to 
Eeny, meeny, miny, and moe. I have no idea. Her mother was phenomenal. You play tri Bible trivia with her mother. I kid you not. We sat there one time and had the question in Bible trivia. Which of these cities is furthest north? Ephesus, Colossae, Philippi, Everest, Philip. And Rebecca and I looked at each other. We went, eeny, meeny, miny, moe. And Rebecca's mother sat there and did this. I kid you not. Ephesus. And she was right. She could picture it. So I don't know about y'all. I get nothing from this, this description. Are you in my with me? Did you, did you get nothing? I got nothing. Let's look at the map. Because I want you to see something here. This is modern day Israel. This is right exactly. Okay? That's Israel. So anybody know what this is? Egypt. Egypt. This is the Sinai Peninsula. This and this are the arms of the Red Sea. Israel goes down here and touches the Red Sea at what they call the Negev. This is the Negev. Right here is Gaza, where everybody's fighting. See the squiggly line that gives us Israel? That's the Jordan River. That's, that's what forms the border there. Now, above Israel is Lebanon. And then there's Jordan here. And over here is Iraq. And on the other side of Iraq is Iran. This is modern-day Israel. If you look, it's not very big, is it? It's really not very big. So I want you to see where it sits in the midst of all of its neighbors. Go to the next slide, please. So this is the Middle East. Now, before you hear people hollering about Israel keeping all the land, guys, look at this map. Everything labeled is owned by Arabs. Everything labeled is owned by Arabic people, except for Israel. And so that's what Israel has as promised land. But what I thought was really interesting about this is I thought, well, you know what? Why don't we do this? Let's look at what the scripture says and let's draw the boundary of what God gave them. Go to the next slide. Does that surprise anybody other than me? I have ne any y'all ever? I've never seen that. I've never seen anybody give me a drawing of that's the promised land. But God, any even if you don't know much about geography, y'all know the river Euphrates is up here, cutting halfway through Iraq. There's the Euphrates and the Tigris cuts there. So the Euphrates is way over here. And it goes on. I mean, it takes up a part of Kuwait. A huge slice of Saudi Arabia. A big old piece of Egypt. All the way to the sea. And then that gives you the boundary in the north. The north in every biblical description of the promised land. The northern border of Israel. The promised land. I know we all think, oh, well, that's the promised land. That's the nation of Israel. When I think Israel, I think that little sliver that's up there. I don't think this. And so I'm like, this is what God, and, and God says it six, seven times in Scripture. So what, what, why am I telling you this? Why are we spending time on this? 
Because guys, it, there's an enormous point here for us. Most of us, go to the sermon point, most of us, just like all of them, live way beneath our promise. If you look at it in terms of square footage, acreage, Israel has only ever occupied 10% of what was promised to them. That at the most, at the height of their empire, the height of King David, there's only God, 10%. We have a tendency to read these things and just nod and say, yeah, I know that. But how, how very similar to the Israelites who could have told you, yeah, yeah, we know. We've heard it our whole lives. We have this huge promise from God. All this land. Yeah, right. I know. Moses told our daddy. Moses told our granddaddy. We, yeah, we, that's our inheritance. That's our promise. But what's frustrating, and honestly, guys, what I believe is frustrating for God is that Jesus gave his life so we could enter into everything he purchased for us by his blood. Every prop, the Bible says in the New Testament, every promise of God in Christ is to us yes and amen. And so what and what do we do? Go back a slide, please. Now I want you to look at this. We think we've accomplished something when we live in the blue. We got, oh, well, I'm doing good. I mean, I got a homeland. I got, you know. And guys, it is so far beneath what God gave his life, what Jesus gave his life, that we could be in the middle of promised land. And if you asked any of these Israelites, they all would have said the same thing. Yes, that's our land. Yes, God promised it to us. Yes, God's going to give it to us. But what did God tell Joshua as they were crossing the Jordan to begin the conquest of Israel, of the promised land? Every spot you put your foot, that's going to be what I'm giving you. So you tell me, why did they stop? And let's ask the question that really kind of goes more to the heart of where you and I live. Why do you stop? Why do I stop? I mean, guys, the Bible says that Jesus has been made unto us our peace. Why are we content to stop short of living in peace in our homes or in our workplaces with our kids? Why do we stop short? The Bible says Jesus died to buy provision for us, to provide for us, to take care of us, to keep us from having to worry, to keep us from... All of these things that if you were to ask any Christian, they would go, yeah, Pastor, I know, I've read it. I, I know, the Bible says that, that this, we have this glorious inheritance. Any of y'all ever read Colossians? All of the riches of God are in Christ Jesus. And it is, the, it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, we can quote these scriptures, but we can, to quote them doesn't mean we're living in it. And that's the reason I wanted to put this map up here. Because you know what? Quoting is living in the little blue sliver. Occupying is living 
in the big black outline. That's what, and guys, I'm telling you, if I were Jesus, I would be like, guys, I, what did I come for? And I mean, I came to get you out of slavery, to get you out of sin, to get you out of this junk. And yet, my people are carried away for lack of knowledge. My people are carried away by their own fleshly desires, by their own, the things that, it's not the devil that keeps us tied up, guys. It's the fact that we keep turning around going back and playing with something that God said, put it down. Put it down. I mean, I talked to some of y'all in this 21 days of fasting and prayer we just got through with. Some of y'all successfully put something down for 21 days. And you really gave yourself to that prayer effort. And I guess I mean, we're not even a week out from it. And so I'm just going to ask you, just because I feel like I'm supposed to ask for somebody sitting here. What are you doing? Going back, picking it up because the 21 days got over. If you're free from it, stay free from it. That there's a scripture in, in the New Testament epistles that I always think is kind of interesting because it sounds just redundant and dumb. But it is, there is such truth in it. The Bible says that it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. It's not so you can turn around and put yourself back in bondage. And the best analogy I've ever seen, my, my pastor in Birmingham one time preached a wonderful message and had a, a physical example on stage. He had a, a cell, a, a jail cell built on stage. And a guy in a white robe came out and, I mean, tore the door off the thing. Just tore the door off the cell. And the guy in the cell came out and hugged Jesus and just, just hallelujah, hallelujah. And as the service went on, the guy did just like this. He was like, He'd get closer and closer. By the end of the message, he was back in the cell, sitting on his little stool with the door torn off. And the pastor made the point of how many times do we do the same stupid thing? Jesus is for freedom. Christ has made you free. That's the promised land. The blue is the only promise they've ever lived in. But the black is what God bought and paid for for them. Why don't, why don't we do this, guys? Why don't we look at a scripture or two that's really familiar to us and see, do we believe it or not? First Corinthians 2, look what it says. As it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has even entered into the heart of man. You have never even imagined. What? The things which God has prepared, past tense, for those who love Him. You know what that means? The things God has prepared for you. The good stuff God's got for you to both have and to be involved in. The ministry, the effectiveness God's got for you. It is out there waiting on you. Why do you think God's spoken to us as a fellowship this whole year that the word is stretched? Because just like we said Sunday, guys, more times than not, God will put the best things 
within your reach, but not within your hand. He'll put it within your reach, but not within your hand. And I can't tell you the number of Christians I know who pray and ask God, God, would you just give me this? God, would you just do something? And God is saying, past tense, dude, prepared. It's sitting there waiting on. If you're waiting on me, you're backing up. If you're waiting on me, says the Lord, you're waiting on something that I have already got prepared sitting out there for you. Get up and watch right here. Every spot, the sole of your foot. Is that what it says? So y'all tell me, if God guaranteed every spot the sole of your foot treads on, I've given that to you. Why did they stop treading? Why did they ever stop treading until they had it all? If God, how many of y'all know every time, as long as there wasn't sin in their heart, as long as they weren't in rebellion, every battle they go to in Joshua, they win. Resoundingly. So when they, God's not their problem. Why would you ever stop and say, mm, good enough. I've got a nice house, Pastor. I've got a nice This is good enough. Look what Ephesians says. We are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So we can tell people I'm saved. So I can say, well, I got my ticket to heaven. I got my fire insurance policy. I'm not going to hell. That is not what it says. He didn't create you anew in Christ Jesus so you can sit down on your blessed assurance and just wait. He created you anew in Christ Jesus. Why? So you can do the good things He planned for you to do a long time ago. I, I, guys, it is so strong in my spirit for us as a fellowship. Of It's a year of stretching because we got to get about the work. And more than ever before, I just keep coming back to the Lord saying, work while it's day because the night comes when you're not going to get and guys, you can look around this world, and I know I sound like some... I, Scott and I were kids sitting on a, on a church pew making fun of our pastor who would say things like, Oh, I know what the judgment's coming. You know, I, I, the, the, the second comes quite... You better work while it's day. Not, and I'm just going, and now here I sit, 62 years old, and I'm saying, Y'all, we need to work while it's day. Because honest to goodness, the night's coming quick. And people are dying and going to hell. People are, people are dying without Jesus. I'm not preaching any of this to guilt you or to beat you over the head with the Bible. But I'm telling you, now, now. And, and get this. I, I gave this to you a couple Sundays ago. Jesus himself said, nobody responsible puts new wine into old wineskins. Anybody that's responsible only puts new into containers that can handle it. And right now, God's telling us, stretch. Become vessels that can handle more than you're currently living in. Because the new is coming. I hadn't seen it. Ear hadn't heard it. None of us have even imagined what God's got out in front of us as a church. It hadn't even entered our hearts yet. Just what God has prepared past tense. For us, 2024. God's preparations are done and ready. New wine is coming. New wine is coming. So, I want us to look at two things that will guarantee success. How's that sound? Guarantee. Because God spells it out clearly. 
in these verses? What will guarantee success? One, he tells Joshua, meditate on his word. Now, I'm not going to embarrass anybody in this place, but is there anybody that can honestly say they have spent a half hour meditating in the last two weeks? I don't know that I can, I can't even sit cross-legged on the floor. I mean, I could, but then you have to have jaws of life or something to get me up. Once I sat cross-legged for a half hour, just meditating. Guys, we hear the word meditate, and I don't know about y'all, but I think about Hindus and, and Muslims and, and, and sitting cross-legged on the floor and going home. <laughs> and kind of weird now, y'all know the word meditate. We just think that word is so to meditate on something. It's Eastern, it's it. Now, in the American church, guys, if there's something we know just about nothing about, it's meditation. We just think it's like some kind of yogi sitting on the floor. And, but the Bible tells you, tells me, to meditate on God's Word. And it's an important component to how we're supposed to move forward, personally and as a church. Now, y'all know me. We're going to dig into it just a second and get the Hebrew of it. And see what God's actually trying to tell us. Now, this word meditate, some of y'all have heard me teach on this before. And so I've, I've dug into it a little bit. One of the meanings, one of the meanings for this word is to chew with your front teeth. And that makes no sense until somebody asks you to taste this spaghetti sauce and tell me, is that oregano? Is that, is that, what is that? Is that time? What, have you ever been asked to taste something carefully? And say, now is there, what is that? If you taste something carefully, you do just like, and right at your front teeth. Everybody, if you're asked to taste carefully, to identify a flavor, you go. You don't get a big old honking bite. You get a taste, and you do it right there. Because even in your lips, in your tongue, the tip of your tongue, that's where you got a lot of your taste sensors. And so to chew with your front teeth is to carefully taste to see what's there. Now, that, that is a primary word. But this word that's used continually in Joshua is a cow word. It's a bovine word. It is, it is a cow word. Everywhere in the book of Joshua. Now, anybody here a farmer? Anybody ever spend any time on a farm? Anybody know anything at all about farming? I'm not a big farmer. I, I, you know, I know I have a Mississippi accent, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. How many of y'all know cows have more than one stomach? They got four. Did any of y'all know that? I mean, I just think, yo. <laughs> when a cow eats grass or hay, they'll chew it. For a while. Any of y'all ever see a cow just, just I mean, have it at it? And they'll chew and chew and chew and then, and then chew. Now, this is disgusting and yuck because cows will chew it a while, mixing it with saliva, and they'll swallow it. And it will sit, it will do what's called ruminate in one of those stomachs. And that saliva and chemicals in that first stomach start breaking it down. And then the cow will unswallow it. 
It's not really throwing up. It's not regurgitation. It's, it's, it's literally, they just, uh, the same mechanism that swallows in a cow, they can unswallow. And then, well, I have a video, just for any of you that are like me. Here, this is... Actually, the word meditate, it means moan or mutter. But it's a cow word. For, you ever heard a cow when they're doing this? Cows will go. Is that kind of low? Look at how long this is going on, guys. I mean, it's just. Here, play that again. At least the play behind what I'm talking about. This is the word that's used for meditate on the word of God. The Bible says you are to. Now I don't know if you if you know anything about statistics, but guys, I looked it up. An average cow will spend about eight hours a day chewing the cud. Hay and grasses are very fibrous, and you have to really chew those things to get. Now, if you if you look before a cow will actually. <coughs> start turning that into ice cream, the cow would chew it on average 30,000 times before it starts being turned into steak and ice cream. What is God trying to tell us? Well, guys, cows do this for two reasons, and I want you to get both of them. One, they do it to break down the hard fibers. And then the second is they do it to get all the nutritional good out of what they're eating. Now, I know about y'all, this goes absolutely contrary to the American version, especially the American 2024 version of Bible reading. Because maybe it's none of y'all, but I know a lot of people that I got to get in my two chapters. If I get in my two chapters and I somehow slog through two chapters, God's happy with me, check it off the list, I've done it. And, and it's kind of like you just peg the dismount. <sighs> okay, I read my Bible. And the truth of it is we've just gone through two chapters. But how many of you remember very much at all on one reading? Let me ask, anybody doing the Bible reading through the through the year that we're all well, many of us are doing? Good man, you. Good. Somebody tell me what was this morning's Old Testament about? <laughs> yes, I'm hearing right answers. So good. Good for you guys. Good for you. Anybody remember the New Testament reading from today? I know my wife. <laughs> Rebecca doesn't even listen. She actually reads it. But guys, I'm telling you, most people that do their Bible reading, it's, it becomes a quantity thing that we somehow make it through and then think we've we made God happy. Because God is just sitting up in heaven with a clipboard going, have you done the required reading? Now, you can't go to sleep. 
So you've done the required reading. Well, well, St. Peter, he read two chapters. I guess he's okay for today. And you're good to go for another day. When the truth of it is, guys, what God would so much more want us to do is when we're in the middle of that reading, when the Holy Spirit nudges you in the ribs with his elbow and says, Janet, there's something there. Go at it again. That one verse. Do you understand? God would so much rather you spend your entire time on a verse or half a verse and chew it till you got the good out of it. Chew it until you got what he's trying to say to you out of it. How about this? Chew it until the hard fibers are broken down. You know what we do in America? Hard fiber in the Word of God? Well, I don't understand that. I'm going to wait. The pastor don't preach on it. I'll never understand it. I'll just pass by it. I don't know what that is. I don't know about Hittites and Jebusites and cellulites. And I just don't know anything. And so what do we do? Understandably, but we give up. We just check it at the door. Or, or you're trying to read and such and such. When it, have any of y'all ever read a story that you just thought was weird? Yep. I mean, I've read stories that I just thought, I've got two stories coming in Sunday morning messages that, honest to goodness, they're just weird stories. I mean, I can tell you now. And until I preach them, I, they just are weird. I have had to really dig into these stories. One is, there's a king... That the prophet goes to see him right before the prophet's going to die. And says, here, take these arrows and hit them on the ground. And the king hits them on the ground three times. And the prophet gets mad. And the prophet says, you should have kept hitting them. And I'm like, you didn't tell him to keep hitting them. You didn't say hit them on the ground. So he hit them on the ground three times. And I'm like, what's that about? The other one is where the same prophet... This woman he's been staying with, who gave him a little room in the famine and the drought, her son dies. And he has to go, and the Bible says that he lays down on the boy. And the boy gets warm, but he doesn't get alive. And so he gets back up and lays down on the boy again. And the Bible says he's hands to hands and face to face. And nose to nose, I mean, just laying on this boy. And gets up and got... And then the boy eventually sneezes seven times and gets up. Well, doesn't that just bless you? <laughs> Don't you love the Word of God? Guys, some of these things are hard fibers. Some of these things are things... Have you ever read something and go, I have no idea what that's about. I just got nothing. And God, I hope you're happy because I slogged through the required reading for today. But I got nothing. And guys, if God is a communicator, if God really does want to speak to us, what good is it if we're slogging through and get nothing? But to get something, I'm telling you, many times when you're dealing with the Word of God, if you're going to break down some of the hard, and if you're going to actually get the good out of it, hit that video one more time. I want you to see what you're going to have to do. 
Doesn't that look exciting? Doesn't that just look like, oh, I tell you guys, that's what I was signing up for tonight. Right right there, that's what I wanted to do. But guys, now, now think this through. Have you ever turned to Scripture over and over and over and over in your mind until God did speak to you? Until God did open it up to you? Guys, there's nothing in the world like it. There is nothing in the world like it. And the kicker is, you, especially you, as full gospel Pentecostal people, you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. If anybody has the deck stacked in their favor for understanding the Word of God, dear Lord, you have the infilling of the author of the things. Holy men wrote as they were moved by the Spirit of God. That's what it says about the Scripture. So you have the author. Guys, as you're chewing, as you're grinding, as you, and, and hear me say this, I know what it is. There are many of y'all come to me after a service and go, Pastor, that was really neat. You pulled that out of there like that. How do you, you know how you do it? And it's not because I'm not, I'm not some great scholar. I'm not really, I'm not that smart. I just, you know what you do? You chew on it for a while. And then you ride around in your car. And you put it on your bathroom mirror. And you chew on it a while. And you live with it. Guys, many, many of the things you hear me preach, I have lived with for two and three weeks. I've talked to everybody I can think of that might have some insight. And go, what do you think about this? What do you... I got pastors, I got teachers, I got a wife who knows more about the Bible than I ever hope to. She really does, y'all. I talk to people. But we live in such a microwave world, if I don't get it on first reading God, you had your chance. When it's the, the truth of it is, guys, think about this. What kind of sense does it make for God to tell Joshua this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Play that video one last time. And I want you to understand this book of the law. Now, I don't know about y'all. I love pork chop, but I don't chew it 30,000 times. I, you know, if you about get all the flavor out of it, it, so we think, so we think. The next thing is, and boy, this is just, this is just tough. Meditate in the Word of God, and look what, look what God tells Joshua. I actually tells him twice. Then you will achieve success. Oh, Pastor, I don't believe that. I believe God will give me success. Oh. Go back to the Joshua Scripture at the top, Andrew, please. I want you to see this in the Word of God. All right, go to the next slide. Because I want I want us to find it here, and I want you to. Okay, there's all your promise. Next. I'll be with you and be celebrating. Next. Here we go. Be careful to do all according to the law. Which I'm certain Moses commands. Don't turn from the law to the right or the left. So that, whoa, 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 who's going to achieve success? Y'all can read. Is God going to achieve success and hand it to me? It's not what it says. It says, so that you 
may achieve success. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Go to the next. You shall meditate on it, chew on it day and night, that you may be careful to do. And then look at look, 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 three lines from the bottom. Who's going to make your way prosperous? Who? Somebody with, with some, some, some enthusiasm. Who will make your way prosperous? You will. That, oh, Pastor, that, that's not the way I've heard it preached. See, I've heard it preached that if you, if, you, if you meditate in the Word of God, if you're a good guy, if you don't sin too much, God will make your way prosperous. And God will just hand it to you. God will just give it to you by death. But look at what those last three lines says. For then you're going to make your own way prosperous. And you will achieve success. And then as if we're not getting it, God says, have I not commanded you? What God's trying to tell us is, get up and go get it. Get up and go get it. If you will meditate in the Word of God. Guys, the Word of God becomes for us the rule book. It's the parameters. It's what we operate in. We have His Word. But I'm just telling you, guys, there is an us component. God has promised. God has given us the land. But verse 8 says, you will achieve success. You are the ones that are going to go out there and make your own way prosperous. You will achieve success. I, I just love this. Because you know what? God never once told them. All that property I described, that's, that he said, I've given it to you. But you know what? The only part of it they ever occupied is the part they occupied. Is the part they lived in. You have all the promises in the world. Any of y'all ever known somebody that's in their late 60s and, and still has tons of potential they've never done anything with? I mean, it's, it's a sad thing, guys. There's all kinds of people that we voted most likely to succeed and had done things since high school. You, you, there is a you part of this. Now, one last point of, of, of all this, and I want you to understand it. You're going to achieve success, but there's a way to go about this. How do y'all understand that even if you meditate in God's Word, even if you chew it, even if you really do what He says, that God's Word doesn't talk about every specific single thing you're going to deal with in life, in specifics. His Word doesn't tell you which job to take out of a number of job offers. God, you know, when I was trying to decide, Lord, I'm in Birmingham, and I have this opportunity to move to St. Charles and, and take a job at a church. You know, there is nowhere in the Bible that the word St. Charles is, is together. You just can't find it. Go thou to St. Charles. So every specific is not mentioned by name. When you should relocate to this city or that city. How to deal with this problem with one of your kids. Millions of decisions in life that you're not going to find specific Bible. But God's Word, here's the kicker, guys. God's Word opens the door for the Holy Spirit to give you moment-to-moment -moment guidance. 
Look at the next verse after one of the verses we just looked at here. Because if you take it in context, the next verse is the important one. Go to the scripture we're at now. As it is written, we've already read this, right? Eyes not seen, ears not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Well, how in the world am I going to find out what things has God prepared for me because I'm one of the ones that love him? How do I know? How do I find it? How do I make my way prosperous? How do I achieve success? It's right there. Right up next to, you haven't seen it coming. It's bigger than what you think. You haven't even imagined it. How are you going to get your hands on it? For to us, God revealed them through His Spirit. See, that's the us component. That's how you know. Guys, as we're going forward in the book of Joshua, you're going to see when they get to Jericho, they have the dumbest plan in the world. Any of y'all been to Sunday school? I don't know about y'all, but if you come up on a fortified city, and I'm talking about walls, not just walls, but walls so thick, the Bible says you could run two chariots across the tops of them. You got a chariot race on top of this wall. It's that thick. Now, I don't know about y'all, it is not a great military plan to, all right, y'all just need to walk around and then holler. That'll do it. Walk around and holler. And the next time that they go up against the city, you know what? The Spirit of God talks to Joshua and says, all right, bait them out of the city. Take a small group of folks and get out in front and send most of your army around the back. And when I tell you, turn around as if you're going to attack the city. We don't have such a small bunch. Everybody in the city is going to come boiling out at you. And that's when you pull all these people that you had hiding in the back. But see, to make that plan work, there's God part of that plan. God has to draw those people out of that fortified city at AI. God has to... I mean, it, it all works with God's timing and God's plan. The only way you know that is that moment-to-moment -moment Holy Spirit that, guys, meditate in a way. I love the way Tony Evans, preacher Tony Evans explains this in probably the best way I've ever heard it explained. Tony Evans says that everybody in the NFL, it's Super Bowl weekend coming, it's a great example for now. Everybody in the NFL has the book of NFL rules. And that tells you how the game works. That tells you what is out of bounds. It doesn't matter how spectacular your play is. If you don't get your feet on the ground in bounds and have control of the ball, see, the rules are the same. The rules are the overarching. But how many of y'all understand every individual team has a playbook? A playbook of their own. A playbook of, and that is called by the quarterback in the moment. He comes, they, they huddle, they see where we are. Now, watch right here. What if you didn't know the Word of God? What if you didn't know the rule book enough to know that we can pass the ball? What if you didn't know you could stand here and throw the ball? Then every play you ran would be, Hand it off and run. Hand it off up the middle. You'd never get the ball down the field. 
But see, the rule book tells you everything you can do. The playbook tells you what to do when. What to do in this specific time. And so the rule book is the scripture. The rule book is the word of God. And you better know every in and out of every little thing because that shows you what's possible. But then the playbook is that Holy Spirit going to be right in the, in the moment of, Ron, you better need to do this and do it now. Don't even want to explain it to you. Do you know you come up to the line of scrimmage and if the quarterback calls this play, he's not asking your opinion about it? Everybody, if you decide, well, I have a better idea, then you're an idiot and you won't fit into whatever the rest of the team is doing. We work together, but the playbook is that Holy Spirit in the moment giving you guidance. Now, which one is more important? Both of them are important. And that's where you have to keep the tension between these two. We've got to meditate in God's Word, and then, yeah, we have got to know what play is the Holy Spirit calling right now. The point of it all, guys, is that God has a great future out in front of me, a great future out in front of you, a great future out in front of this church. And honestly, I don't know a single church in the world right now that has the provision and promise and the favor of God like we do right now. And the point is, we got to stop living beneath what He has handed us, promised us. Remember those maps. Keep His word in our mouth. Get all the good out of it. Break down the heart. And keep our ears open to our coach, the Holy Spirit. Because honest to goodness, when the Holy Spirit calls a play, that's how we make our way successful. It's not you go apart from God and make your way successful. No. You make your way successful by following your coach, following the quarterback, following the Holy Spirit. Stand up. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll be done for the night. Thank you so much for your attention and more cow video than you ever wanted. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord God. We thank you that you really are a communicator in your heart. And God, if we would just lean into you, lean into your word. Thank you for listening to this message from Troy First Assembly of God. We would love for you to join us on a Sunday morning if you're in the area. Our address is 432 South Lincoln Drive in Troy, Missouri. Otherwise, you can connect with us on Facebook. The link for our Facebook page can be found below.